I'm Harriet Smith and welcome back to the Dietitian Cafe where we discuss the world of nutrition and dietetics. Today I'm delighted to be joined by Corinne Toyne to discuss her journey in branching out from clinical dietetics to the food industry. Corinne explains why a dietitian's unique skill set is an asset to any food establishment with a focus on healthcare professional marketing. Corinne is a healthcare professional relations manager for Benacol, in which she oversees the healthcare professional marketing activities for the UK. She utilises the science of plant stanols to help healthcare professionals to support their patients with elevated cholesterol. Corinne is a registered dietitian and she has over three years of experience working in the food industry. Following on from graduating from the University of Surrey, she started her career working for the NHS. She has since worked across medical nutrition and retail, utilising her dietetic insight to identify dietary trends, deliver education and training, and bring evidence-based nutrition to the forefront of consumer and healthcare professional communications. Corinne is passionate about raising the profile of dietitians and nutritionists in the food industry, and she's also a keen triathlete and is currently training for her third triathlon, using her nutrition background to help fuel her races. So I don't know how you fit that in, Corinne, but we're very much pleased to have you here at the Dietitian Cafe and welcome. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Harriet. So Corinne, it's been great to get to know you over the last few months. Um, and I've heard a lot about your journey from the NHS to the food industry. And could you tell our listeners a bit more about how you managed that transition? Sure. So I initially obviously started out working for the NHS and I really love that the aspect of patient contact, you know, it's incredibly rewarding. However, the opportunity to access a wider population beyond my caseload as a dietitian and help influence decisions that could affect the nutrition of thousands of people, you know, in an industry role was, was really appealing. So that's kind of what, what drew me over to the industry. Um, I also wanted to combine my interests both in clinical dietetics and science, as well as more commercial aspects of industry. And I felt that you know, a role in the food industry would enable me to do that. Brilliant. Um, I don't know about you, Corinne, but when I was at university, we, we didn't really get much education around the role that a dietitian can play in the food industry. So I'm wondering if you needed to upskill in any particular areas or whether you had to acquire any new knowledge and experience before you made that transition from NHS to the food industry. Not necessarily. I think it depends on the role that you're applying for. And the most important thing is that you show a willingness to learn and ability to be a bit of a self-starter, really, whether that's by taking part in extracurricular activities, such as volunteering, work experience or even side interests. So, for example, social media is becoming really popular. It might be that you've got your own nutrition related Instagram account and you manage that by yourself. Um, those types of things can really show um, key skills for, for working in a kind of industry environment. Um, but it's also really important to remember that the company that's hiring you will actually be more than likely wanting you know, to hire you and take you on because of your clinical background and ability to bring a scientific and evidence-based perspective to the company. So, you know, if you are thinking about taking on a role in the industry, make sure you play to your strengths because that's actually going to be the things that kind of um, sets you aside um, apart from other people. And just going back a little bit in your career journey, before you joined Benico, um, were you working at any other companies in the industry? Yeah, so um, after working for the NHS, um, I moved on to work for a company called Abbott, who are a medical nutrition company. Um, so I worked for them for two years, and I actually also worked for Marks and Spencers um, for about, it's a very short-term contract, it's about three months, but 
in that short amount of time, I, I gained a lot of experience, insight into working for retail. Um, so yeah, so I have worked in sort of different industry roles before um, Benacol. Each of them, I've learned something new. Great. And, and on that note, going back to Benacol again, um, for those of our listeners who don't know much about Benacol, can you tell us a bit more about them as a company? Um, and then after that, perhaps talk us through some of your day-to-day activities as a dietitian for Benacol. Sure. So um, Benacol is a range of cholesterol-lowering foods that contain a unique ingredient called plant sanal ester. Um, plant sanals structurally resemble cholesterol, which is why they, they partly inhibit cholesterol um, absorption in the small intestine. So at Benacol, we add plant sanals to a range of products, such as spreads, yogurts, yogurt drinks, and even soft cheese, in order to support individuals with elevated cholesterol as part of a healthy, balanced lifestyle and diet. So my role as a healthcare professional relations manager is really extremely varied, which is actually one of the reasons why I love it so much. And a key aspect of my role is developing and maintaining relationships with key opinion leaders um, in healthcare and healthcare professionals. So we do that by um, facilitating and organizing educational activities such as webinars or organizing talks at conferences. And the sole purpose of them is to really help educate and support healthcare professionals on new and noteworthy topics relating to cardiovascular health and cholesterol. And it doesn't always have to be new information. It can be, you know, things that people already know and they just want to kind of um, develop their their initial understanding. And um, I also help to create educational resources for healthcare professionals, ensuring that our marketing materials are compliant and meet brand guidelines from a nutrition and scientific perspective. That could include uh, things like approving digital materials, um, social media posts, leave pieces, um, detail aids and presentations, for example. And um, as a dietitian, I'm also, uh, I would say, in a good position to be able to identify opportunities for the business as well as identify current trends and and scientific innovations. Um, We often do work in partnership with other organisations and charities as well. And we kind of share the same goal in terms of wanting to amplify awareness and high cholesterol um, amongst both healthcare professionals and consumers. High cholesterol is one of those things where um, a lot of people don't know they've got high cholesterol. It's not necessarily symptomatic. So um, we really try and focus on on raising that awareness amongst um, consumers, but also um, healthcare professionals. And in terms of the healthcare professionals that you're trying to engage with, I presume dietitians are one of the key target audiences. Is, is that right? Yeah, dietitians, um, registered nutritionists. We speak with doctors. We also speak with um, nurses as well. So anyone with an interest in, in cholesterol and you know, cardiovascular health um, is really perhaps the people that we communicate with. So if there are any dietitians listening who are sort of interested in cholesterol and heart health, are there any resources that um, Benacol offer? I know you've mentioned conferences. I presume COVID's had a bit of an impact on that. So yeah. how, how have you been engaging with healthcare professionals during COVID? Has it changed the work that you're doing? Definitely. I think we've definitely seen an acceleration in the importance of digital and online materials. By all means, there's still a place for print and it's still really important. You know, when um, GPs, for example, um, go to work for the day, they, they head up to their GP practice. They still find you know a need for a printed magazine, for example, to read in between patients or just before they start the day. So it's not that print materials are kind of cast aside, but actually you know, more and more people on their phones and on their computers looking for information. So we've definitely seen um, that in terms of, you know, a change in the way that we work due to the pandemic. 
Um, but in terms of how we communicate with healthcare professionals, we have a website um, built for healthcare professionals, which contains information about um, plant sanals as well as um, Benacol as a brand. Um, we also have lots of different types of resources that healthcare professionals can download as PDFs. Um, and we also work in partnership with other healthcare professional websites to kind of um, post videos and educational content. So um, there's so much an abundance of information um, that we kind of create and use for healthcare professionals. So it's really great to be a part of it because it's always changing and it's always different. Um, so yeah, it's, it's exciting. And um, you mentioned earlier that you're involved in sort of regulatory sign-off of um, pieces of content that you're creating. So um, I'm sure lots of people listening are aware of things like nutrition and health claims, for example. Can you talk a bit more about sort of the importance of regulatory you know, quality control? And do you work with anyone else in your team who helps you with that side of things, for example? Definitely, definitely. I think there there are some dietitians out there that specialise in kind of regulations. I, I'm not one of those, so I'm not necessarily a specialist in eggs. But what I love about my role in the industry is that we work with lots of professionals and um, regulatory specialists that will be able to feed in that insight. And you know, having that cross-functional relationship and working with different teams is actually one of the strengths of working in the industry because you get that close contact with people that have. Um, that that insight and that expertise in kind of regs and, and making sure that everything's compliant and that you're doing things ethically the right way and you're not making any claims that aren't substantiated. So um, I definitely draw on the expertise of my teammates when I'm kind of looking at claims and um, it's definitely a, a sort of joint effort to make sure that we're meeting the demands and, and insight from a nutritional angle, which is where I step in, but also we're kind of making sure that everything's compliant from a regulatory perspective. So it's really that kind of and team working. Now, obviously, Benacol is predominantly a food product. Um, so can you explain a bit more to our listeners about why a food brand benefits from engaging with healthcare professionals? It, it may seem like the two things are quite separate. So why, why do they employ dietitians, for example? Yeah, so um, I think it's, it's massively important for food brands to engage with healthcare professional audience. And I think that's because we're in a position to help educate healthcare professionals on topics that are relevant to their products and services. Um, this in turn you know, helps them to further support their patients who we know are actually becoming more aware of their own nutrition, health and wellness, which has actually been potentially accelerated by the impact of, of COVID and you know, how much that has impacted the nation's health. Um, in addition, where we, I think it's really important is that the Health and Health, health, sorry, the health and Care Professions Council, the HCPC, who regulate you know, up to 15 health and care professions in the UK, state that healthcare professionals are required to undertake continuing professional development, which is often referred to as CBD, on an ongoing basis. So every two years, individuals are randomly selected to provide a record of their CP activities. So Healthcare professionals really must maintain their CPD by dedicating time to learning and developing their skills, expertise and knowledge um, in order to kind of show that their CPD is contributing to the quality of their practice and service delivery. So, you know, that, that really includes a variety of learning activities such as self-directed learning, education, professional activity or work-based learning. And that Benacol or, you know, in, within the food industry, we can provide a source of credible and evidence-based education on cholesterol and cardiovascular health in order to help benefit healthcare professionals, um, CBD and learning. So that's re really where I see us stepping in. And as a dietitian and a you know, registered professional, we can make sure that we're providing the, the most 
update and evidence-based information um, because there is a lot lots of nonsense on on the website as I like to call it so um, yeah I think that's that's really where I see the true value. Absolutely and I guess the hope is that that um, credible and evidence-based information will filter through to consumers and to patients um, ultimately. So you, you just talked a lot about CPD and how you're producing great content to help other dietitians to maintain their CPD but my curiosity is how do you maintain your CPD if you're a dietitian working in industry and not in a traditional clinical setting? It is a great question, Harriet, and it's something that I'm still admittedly working on trying to maintain. I think CPD is one of those things that we, we know it's really important, but it's making sure that we find the time. I think, you know, to me, CPD is really important because it helps me to maintain and develop throughout my career. And it means that, you know, I can retain my capacity as a dietitian to practice safely and effectively. Um, I do try to set aside about an hour a week to try and, you know, it could be watching a webinar, listening to a podcast or learning something new in order to kind of help me reflect, help my practice. But we do, as we all know, that life can get in the way. Um, but what's actually really interesting and what I quickly learned working in the industry is that actually my day-to-day activities do also contribute to my CPD, you know, the activities I do at work. So whether that's reading a clinical paper and um, translating what you know what that means for the wider business it could be perhaps a new set of nutrition legislation or or guidelines that's been released and i need to read those and reflect on them and uh, make sure that the business are aware of them or it could be providing education and training to you know internal teammates or externally all of those activities can actually contribute towards my cbd and practice so every day you're actually learning and, and and contributing towards your development so it's just important to, to reflect and note that down um because as dietitians as we all do know we will potentially get called upon so there's always just that thought that we need to make sure that it's kind of documented and um, that we're doing it consist- consistently yeah i think lots of dietitians live in fear of being audited by the hcpc um, yeah 100 percent. similar to you i you know had a bit of a eureka moment a few weeks ago and i thought actually you know a lot of what i do in my day-to-day role is also cpd um, so I think it's easy to forget that all those little things do add up and, and they're incredibly important to document, like you said. Definitely. You talked a bit about having a good team around you. And I'm wondering, have you got a professional support network in the industry? Because I know when you work in like an NHS hospital, you tend to have hopefully a supportive team around you, your colleagues and your manager. Um, so where do you go to lean on other dietitians and nutritionists for professional support and networking? So I'm a member of the British Dietetic Association and um, I'm also a member of Nutritionists and Industry. So for those that don't know, the BDA is a professional association and trade union for UK dietitians. And I'm also a member of the BDA London branch, which um, offer educational opportunities to London dietitians and the wider dietetic community. So I you know, attend those events and um, seek support um, from my peers in that capacity. The NII um, nutritionist industry is also a really brilliant platform that enables those working in the nutrition industry to engage information and discuss ideas related to nutrition. And um, they host regular kind of meetings and events to network. So I've actually met lots of people through those. And um, it's been really instrumental in helping me reach out to people in the industry and learn from them and hear about their experiences. So I think it's it's really important, actually, to to be a part of those um, support groups. 
Yeah, absolutely. And um, I know we've had some <clears throat> conversations in the past, Corinne, about um, perhaps establishing some kind of support group for other dietitians working in the food industry, because um, obviously the nutritionists and industry groups are fantastic, um, but dietitians are regulated by the HCPC, which nutritionists are not. And therefore, it's, it can be quite complicated, can't it, sort of navigating all that those regulations? Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, we it, it's difficult because we we do essentially nutritionists and dietitians do exactly the same job, and um, I think it's it's important not to differentiate the two roles because we do exactly the same thing. However, as you said, dietitians are um, conducted. You know, we we have to fulfil the demands of the HCPC code of conduct, so we're kind of regulated by different standards, and I think. I would agree that, you know, when I first started out in the industry, I wasn't too sure where to turn to for information on vacancies or how to fulfill my dietetic competencies in the industry role. And I, I, I have changed now. I think there are actually more support groups on social media, for example, as well as fantastic organisations such as Food Matters Careers that are really helping the younger generation to pursue careers in the food industry. However, I am really interested in hearing more about the experiences of other dietitians working in the industry and um, it's definitely something that I'm looking into to see you know are there ways that I can support more um, so that people like me that are just starting out and are you know transitioning from um, the NHS maybe moving into a kind of more industry or marketing role um, kind of is there anything that I can do to help support make that transition a bit a bit make it a bit smoother if, if you like so yeah I think it's definitely it's one of those ones that I am definitely interested in finding out more about. If there's any anyone listening who's equally interested or would perhaps like to chat to you about sort of building on those ideas a bit further, what's the best way for people to get in touch with you, Corinne? Definitely by just drop me an email. Um, and, you know, I'll leave my email in, in the show notes so you can contact me. I'm also on LinkedIn. And I think aside from that, I, I'm more than happy to speak to anyone about, you know, if you're thinking about going into the food industry. Um, but I actually think it's important to really get out there and speak to as many people as possible. So LinkedIn is a fantastic platform to, to reach out to people who have jobs that you think are interesting, find out about them, ask them about kind of how they got to where they are today and you know, if they have any advice for you. So really seeking those conversations can really help to steer you in, in a direction that's, that's best for you. Yeah, definitely second that. LinkedIn's been fantastic for my own professional networking and indeed finding new business opportunities as well. Yeah. Um, so even if you're a student dietitian listening, I would really encourage you to, to keep your LinkedIn profile up to date. Definitely. And I think as well, Harriet, just on that, I think actually social media, the way that we use social media has totally changed. And I think, you know, obviously there are downsides to social media and we have to be really careful as practicing healthcare professionals on social media. But Actually, I've got quite a few friends through social media now that are also like-minded individuals, really passionate about nutrition and work in the food industry. And I would never have got to know them if it wasn't for Instagram. So I think actually, um, if you're interested in having a social media account, as long as you're doing it safely and responsibly, you know, social media is also a really good way to reach out to people and, and network. And I think we connected sort of through LinkedIn slash podcast, didn't we? We did, we did. I mean, I've always been sort of like, as I said to you before, like I've always seen what you've been up to and I've always been in awe of like all the things that you do. So I think I was just waiting for the, for the right moment to, to say hello. But ever since then, it's been great. <laughs> the, power, the power of the internet, hey? Yeah. 
Um, so just going back to um, talking about the sort of importance of dietitians in the food industry. So can you explain a bit more about some of the skills, you know, the cross transferable skills that you've brought from the NHS to the food industry? I, I presume, for example, your communication skills mm -hmm. must be incredibly important to your role. Are there any other skills that you think you've transferred into this new role at Benacol? Yeah, sure. And that, that's a really good point. I think communication, if, if you love you love translating scientific information, then a role in industry is perfect for that. And I'm someone that loves presenting. I love speaking to people. I love meeting new people. Um, and I think, as I said, a role in industry really embodies all of that because you're um, regularly doing education and training. Um, you're speaking to different aspects of, you know, different sides of the business, helping to kind of educate them on, on you know, uh, areas of nutrition as well. So you really have to have that communication element down and be confident in your skills um and then as well obviously writing as well is a really important part of of industry you know copywriting is something that a lot of industry professionals will do i know you do a lot of harriet as a writer so having the ability to write scientific content is also you know a really a really good skill to have i think as well that the key things that come to mind are having that knowledge in nutrition and scientific research so a lot of dietitians are already there because our university degree is is kind of centered around that but also an ability to understand and connect with with healthcare professionals and again i think that becomes second nature when you're on the wall because you're speaking to nurses you're speaking to doctors physios and i think slowly you pick up those skills so actually being able to utilize that in an industry role is great because then you can start understanding what it is that those healthcare professionals are looking for and how you can help them um experience working cross-functionally in teams so as a dietitian you're working in a multidisciplinary team on, on a daily basis and having that ability to you know change your communication styles and work in a team is really important um you know because you, you're essentially when you work in the industry a lot you you start managing multiple projects at once and actually it dawned on me the other day that that's really what I was doing as a dietitian you know I had lots of different patients on my caseload um I was managing different things you know all at once and I think that actually travels through to a role in industry as well so a lot of the things it's not it's not rocket science a lot of the things are actually the skills are very very transferable from clinical role to um, one that's more industry based sure and Expanding a bit more on, on the role that dietitians and nutritionists can play in the food industry, you've obviously highlighted, uh, you know, how you can harness the skills of nutrition professionals to really make it a really positive thing. But there is a bit of a um, feeling out there amongst some members of the public, perhaps, or other nutrition professionals that, you know, healthcare professionals working in the industry are viewed as working on the dark side, essentially. So where where is this something you've come across and if so where do you think this misconception comes from yeah it's, it's a controversial topic I think when I first moved over to the industry um there were a few remarks you know oh you've gone to the dark side and I just kind of laughed them off because not necessarily that I don't like working for the NHS I actually love working for the NHS and sometimes I miss it because it was so rewarding however I now find other aspects of my industry role um, rewarding as well so it just really depends on what what you're looking for out of a job I think historically when you study nutrition and dietetics the the course that I entered and I don't know whether things are different now because I graduated in 2017 just a bit of a while ago you really are prepared for a kind of life in clinical dietetics so you complete hospital and community placements you're kind of geared up for um, a career in in a hospital or in a community setting as a clinical dietitian 
So when some dietitians are kind of seen to take a, a different career path, I think it feels as though they're kind of venturing into the unknown or, you know, the dark side. Um, and I think as well, there's a bit of a common misconception that dietitians take the industry route because they think maybe it's more financially appealing. When actually, I think it's not really to do with that. I think it's more about the fact that we can contribute to making a difference in society on kind of this wider scale and we can you know, help in some way. And working industry can equip us with commercial awareness and skills that perhaps you may not have had access to as a clinical dietitian. So I think it's just having that understanding that it's not necessarily the dark side it's just different and I think it really is important actually for registered HGPs to be in the industry to actually set the standard and, and raise the bar in terms of making sure that everything is evidence-based and safe for consumers. Definitely and as you mentioned earlier ultimately you're still regulated by the HCPC and, and you're still working to the same standards that anyone in a clinical setting should be working towards as well. Yeah definitely. So um, I just wanted to find out as we sort of come towards the end of this episode, what are some of the key challenges that you face as a dietitian working in the food industry? And you've probably touched upon some of them already. Yeah, I mean, I, this is quite a tough, a tough question because you, you just kind of go about your day and you don't, you, you just accept it for what it is. Sometimes you don't think about the challenges, but I think for me, I, whilst I love the fact that nutrition is a hot topic for everyone and when you're in a social setting you know you say you're a dietitian everyone starts asking you about you know different types of food questions and I love it it's a it's a real conversation starter but you know one of the downsides is that I do see a lot of non-evidence-based information online and as I referred to it earlier it's kind of nutrient nonsense and the scientific credibility behind some of the nutritional claims that I've seen online can can, is often disappointing and I think it paints a bit of a bad rep for nutritionists and dietitians because those that maybe aren't qualified are providing health advice when maybe they they shouldn't be they're not positioned to do so so I think a huge part of our job as dietitians and nutritionists is to kind of correct common myths and or misunderstandings regarding nutrition that can be challenging sometimes because a lot of your time is spent kind of rectifying um, myths that people have heard online or um, yeah, so that, I would say that for me, that's the biggest challenge. And to put a positive spin on that, obviously, I'm keen to hear what do you most enjoy about your job? So, so much. I love the variety. I think if I could think of one thing, it's definitely that I'm doing something different every day. And I also love the responsibility. I love being able to kind of manage projects and be creative in my role as well. I think um, actually, as dietitians, we have a superpower that we have that clinical expertise and we're able to manage both the scientific elements of, of you know, in, information as well as that kind of commercial aspect. And I think combining the two means we have a really special niche. And um, yeah, I think I think that's, if I've answered the question properly there, but that, I, there's lots of things. I think they're probably the main things that come to mind. Absolutely. And like you said, nutrition headlines are constantly evolving, lots of things about cholesterol, fat, heart health. So I'm sure you're you're kept on your toes. Definitely. That that's a really good point. Nutrition is is always changing. And uh, you know, I referred to it, you know, in my previous answer. I think nutrition's a hot topic and I love the fact that everyone has their own opinion. It's a really good conversation starter and it's a really interesting area of work to be involved in. You love that everyone has their own opinion, but not when it's pseudoscience on the internet. Yeah. <laughs> not when they're talking about like really fad diets. You just have to sit there and just grin and bear it. And then at the end, you say you're pleased, but they still believe what they want to believe anyway. <laughs> well, actually, on that note, you do a good amount of myth busting on social media. So where can people find you on socials? 
Yep. So I have a nutrition account, um, Cora Nutrition, so that's the name, and nutrition. And I think initially I started out really just to kind of be connected with the nutrition community. And as I said, I've been able to network through it. Um, it's very much a personal account, so kind of all all views are my own. Um, but I just try and make sure that every post is evidence based and all the information is kind of lots of, um, as you say, myth busting. So that you know, my my followers are a mix of nutrition um, professionals, but also kind of day to day sort of average consumers. And I think if I can help even just one of them understand nutrition topic or a challenging scientific you know, uh, new paper or something, that's kind of my job done, um, just to help in that way. So, yeah. Brilliant. No, it's, it's great to see, you know, how you're utilising all these different channels of communications. Um, we can link to the, in the show notes to your social pages as well, so people can find you. So um, finally, do you have any advice to any dietitians listening who perhaps want to mix things up and consider transitioning from clinical to industry or indeed any students listening who may feel that clinical work for whatever reason isn't for them and are keen to go into the industry any any top tips yeah so I think my career path has not been a straight path it's been certainly a swiggly line throughout the way and there's been many twists and turns in my career journey so you know I started out in the NHS and then I moved to other and then I worked very briefly at M&S and then I kind of Got this fantastic role at Benicol but when I initially joined Benicol it was actually a maternity um cover so and, and actually the MS role was kind of only a three-month contract so what I've taken from there is that you know really don't be afraid to to take risks and um put, put yourself out there because when you're young you can be a bit more flexible and take these kind of opportunities and a lot of the time it does open doors so that's probably my, my first bit of advice I think as well um you know get out there and speak to people, connect with people on LinkedIn. As I said before, kind of email people who's, who have jobs that you think are interesting and ask them for advice. And I think not only are you networking, but you're also you know, able to get a bit of guidance there. And seeking work experience or volunteering is also a really good way to give you a taster into kind of working in the food industry. And I think it shows a bit of a proactive attitude as well. Um, and then lastly, I think don't limit your job search by kind of looking for just nutritionist or dietitian roles because lucky for us you know if the food nutrition industry has a variety of opportunities available but they're often not actually kind of called what you would expect so for example communication officers or communication managers healthcare professional relations manager which is my role marketing none of those have nutrition or dietetics in so you know don't be afraid to kind of try around with different um, job titles and explore beyond what you think is the traditional um, so yeah that's a lot of tips there but that's, hopefully that helps yeah that's really good advice and I would second what you said about um, not limiting yourself to job titles I do a lot of LinkedIn stalking of other dietitians and nutritionists <laughs> to see what they're up to um, yeah. and you can see on people's profiles what their job titles are and you can also look up companies that you are interested in working in and you can actually click through to see their employees and then you may recognize that there's some nutritionists or dietitians working for the company. So I think, yeah, that's really great advice that you've shared, Corinne. Um, we're just coming to the end of our episode and we always finish with a few quick fire questions. So my first question to you is what, what's your greatest achievement, either professionally or personally? 
think completing my university degree and getting a first in my, um, you know, in nutrition and dietetics, I was so proud of myself for getting that because it was a lot of hard work. But I absolutely love my time at university and um, my dissertation was on vitamin D. So that was really interesting. Um, so yeah, I was, I was proud of myself for, for that. Brilliant. Congratulations. That's no mean feat getting a first in your degree. So very well done. Thank you. Um, can you tell us about another dietitian or a nutritionist um, working in the food industry that you've personally um, admire or have been inspired by? And, and can you tell us a bit more about what, what they do? Oh, there are so many dietitians working in the industry that I admire, including yourself, Harriet. I definitely admire you, what, what you've achieved so, you know, so far in your career. Um, I think I'd probably have to say my manager at Benicol, though. I think, you know, she's shown me what being a great manager is and she's really helped me to challenge myself and grow. She's a dietitian herself and I'm forever thankful for her for giving me the opportunity to work for such a fantastic company. Brilliant. Um, and finally, this is obviously the Dietitian Cafe where we have a bit <laughs> of a focus on food. So if you were cast off to a desert island, what would you choose as your last meal, Corinne? Now, it's funny you asked me this because I ask this question to everyone I meet and I think it gives a really good insight into the person. So it's so funny being asked this question. But I, I was, it was really hard because I normally would say spaghetti bolognese and cheesy garlic bread. But more recently, I think, I've had, you know, I, I think I, I wouldn't be able to go without maybe a Greek mezze. You know, the full works, halloumi, tzatziki, olives, piece of bread. I'm such a famous fan. And I think um, I'd finish it off with chocolate and banana bread. And there's actually a really good recipe on the Benacol website for a chocolate and pecan banana bread. It's so tasty. So if you have the time, definitely check that out. But I think that's what I'd have. Greek mezze and then chocolate and banana bread. Sounds divine. And, and what would you wash it down with? What's your drink of choice? Oh, I didn't think about that. Throw a spanner in the works. Maybe a glass of white wine. Can't go wrong with that, can you? Chilled, some ice cubes. For an awful moment, I thought you were going to say a glass of water. <laughs> can you imagine? I've been letting the whole dietitian community down. No, definitely the wine. Give me the wine. <laughs> Everything in moderation, hey? Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Corinne, for joining us today at the Dietitian Cafe. And, and thank you for having me. And to our listeners as well for joining us. And, we hope that you found this episode very insightful. Um, if you do enjoy listening to the Dietitian Cafe, please do hit subscribe and even consider leaving us a five-star rating or review. And until the next time, have a good rest of your week and goodbye. Thank you.